0: Father in heaven, as we explore a subject that is weighty with responsibility and urgent in action and needed on every hand, Lord, we just ask that uh, you'd be with us today. Help us to find ways to implement this call in our life, in our church, in this world. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So God's call for mentoring and discipleship, just a brief review over some of what we went over last week. Eric went in fifth gear. It was impressive about how you covered uh, last week. But just the uh, picking up where Eric was in our great commission, Matthew eight, uh, 28, 18-20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority or power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age or the world. So the clear thing that we are to do is to make disciples. The go is connected to making disciples. Baptizing them is connected to making disciples. Teaching them is connected to making disciples. So making disciples is our clear imperative. Um, so we looked at some biblical examples of those that trained disciples or had disciples and so we saw the first one in Genesis chapter 2 was God rested on the Sabbath day he taught Adam and Eve how to do it he showed them by example we looked at um, Moses and Joshua Elijah Elisha Jesus Paul Timothy uh, these all had disciples or were a disciple So then we looked at some key elements in how Jesus made disciples. So if we look at how Jesus made disciples, it will give us indication on how we are to make disciples. So selection. Jesus um, had people that were following him that weren't really interested in following his kingdom. And so he had to limit those that he was working with. There were those that just came because they wanted the loaves and the fish. And so Jesus wanted to work with those who wanted the heavenly kingdom. And so he had to limit his time, his energy, his focus. He had to select some, and so he did. He selected some. He also spent time with them. We read in the book Education where the disciples made up the family of Jesus. They ate with him, they walked with him, they did everything with him. He spent time with them. And it's time that really makes disciples. It's easy just to give them a go track and go on and hope they make it into the kingdom. Um, But Jesus called us to make disciples, and that means time. And then consecration. The disciples had to consecrate themselves to what Jesus called them to do. They had to obey what he said. They had to be dedicated. They had to be willing to give up their families, their livelihood, everything, and put Jesus first in their entire life. Consecration impartation. This is where Jesus gave of himself continually late at night, early in the morning, giving, 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 teaching. Um, He gave. And this is where we can get wore out, uh, burned out. You ever feel burned out? (laughs) I'm sure you have. Um, There was one missionary that uh, we got to know pretty well and she was really frustrated with the truck drivers driving these dump trucks down the road that she spent thousands of dollars to fix. And so one day it was raining. The truck drivers with their heavy loads were going by and mucking up her road. She was so angry, she was shaking. She went down the road as they were coming, stood in front of there, this little missionary, <laughs> stood in front of these dump trucks. And so they stopped, they got out. What are you doing? She picked the mud up in her hands and she started throwing it at them. She was burned out. I wouldn't mess with her. Yeah, no, you don't want to mess with her. She's a firebrand. She's amazing. She was burned out. When we get burned out, we we aren't giving what God wants us to give. Yeah, she gave him something. Sometimes we're tempted to give people what we think they deserve. But Jesus had a different saying. He said, Father, forgive them. He was able to give and give and give because he received from his father he stayed connected so staying connected is how we can have something continual to impart demonstration jesus showed his disciples what he was wanting them to be like how he wanted them to minister he was the living example of a disciple maker delegation jesus gave them their task go out preach teach and heal He delegated. Now I want to pause on this idea of delegation. Um, Sometimes it's easy to delegate uh, too much. There should be a wise delegation. David was made king of Israel uh, because he was a faithful young man, a man after God's own heart. It's popular these days to say, well let's just Uh, pass this on to the the next youngest person coming along so we can say we're having young people leading out. But unless that young person is faithful, a man after God's heart, it's unwise to give them large delegation. Give them delegation that's appropriate to where they are, and they can grow from that. Um, When I used to have a construction business, and we'll talk a little about that in a little bit, but uh, when I would have guys that would start to work for me, I would give them an appropriate amount of responsibility for their knowledge, here, nail this wall together. <laughs> I wouldn't have them lay out the walls. They weren't ready for that yet. They had to grow in their knowledge and abilities before they could move to the next level. Delegation should be wise delegation based on a person's ability, willingness, et cetera. Supervision. So Jesus supervised them. He sent them out, and then he came after them from their, to their towns, checking on them, seeing how they're doing, answering any questions. He was there with them giving supervision. Key elements in how Jesus made disciples. And then re- reproduction. Jesus wanted disciples that would make disciples that would make disciples. That's the element of multiplication, which is what God desires of his church. So this isn't a formula, though it's key principles. Ian e. Bounds has this statement, men are God's method. God wants people who were sold out to him that he can guide with his spirit and they can carry out his work. Now, this next quote that I'm going to share with you is like a key that you put in a door and unlock so that you could open it. The key to discipleship is in this next quote. Discipleship will not happen without this quote. Now, I know you're familiar with this quote. You probably don't even need to look up here, but this is it. Christ's method alone will Give true success in reaching the people. In reaching the people, well, that's what we're to do, make disciples, right? The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, won their confidence, and then he bade them, follow me, follow me, follow me. Isn't that how he called his disciples? Follow me. This is the beginning process to develop disciples, mingling with people. You gotta be with them. Patrick, I'm coming. We're going walking on that trail. Yeah, you gotta spend time with them. Uh, you gotta show them that you actually care about them. If they have needs, fill them. And then when you win their confidence, encourage them to be a disciple of Jesus. And to be a disciple of Jesus, you also make disciples. So the, the concept of discipleship is mixed together with the idea of mentoring. They aren't identical, but they're fairly close. So common literature today looks at the idea of mentoring, which I really think is an extension of Jesus' principle of discipleship. So mentoring. Where did mentoring come from? Well, it came from a tale a long time ago, Homer's Odyssey. Homer um, tells this story about a man named I'm saying it wrong. Odysseus. Help me out. Odysseus. Thank you. I knew there would be some Greek scholars here. Odysseus. 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 Mobeta. Okay. Odysseus. Kind of like Zeus? Odysseus? Odysseus? Okay, Odysseus. Uh, Anyway. Okay, I won't work on it. So he was a king that was going to go fight in a war the Trojan War and at Ithaca. And he didn't know how long he would be gone, but he had a son named Telemachus. Help me out. Telemachus. Telemachus. Your husband said I was right. Telemachus. Telemachus, oh, mercy. Well, Mr. T, Mr. T was the son. And he was left with, oh mercy, (laughs) Odysseus. Odysseus left him with his best friend. He said, Please take care of my son while I'm gone. You be his father while I am gone. Train him, teach him, take care of him, make him mind, hold him accountable. You be his father. So he left. He left him in the hands of his best friend. Mentor. Mentor was his name. And that's where the, the whole history of this idea of mentoring comes from. You're being in the place of a father to a son. Accountability. Direction. Growing. In fact, discipleship is fairly close to parenting in a way where you're trying to grow someone into the likeness and image of their father. So I want to look at two different lists with you of uh, current practices or ideas in mentoring. Their first one is from John Maxwell. He is a spiritual man. I think he's a pastor. He wrote a book called Mentoring 101. Now, I want you to notice some of the similarities here between this list and what we looked at just a minute ago with Jesus' method of discipling. Look at some of the similarities. Point number one, developing people is your number one priority. Hmm, that's fairly similar to Jesus' call, right? You have Discipleship, that's our number one goal. So this should be your number one priority. Number two, limit those you're working with to only the top 20%. You can't disciple everyone. You have to disciple those who are interested in what you're about. Limit those. Interesting, very similar. Uh, Develop a relationship before the mentoring process. That reminds me of uh, the the quote from Christ Object Lessons. Mingle with them. Develop a friendship. Help, am I going too fast? Are you able to see those? Okay, good. Help unselfishly. That's a principle we read about just a moment ago of giving, of giving. Help unselfishly. So to, to, to really mentor someone, it can't be a selfish interaction. Never work alone. Always take someone with you. Jesus, supervising, working together with Get them quality resources in order to do what they need to do. Connect them with a source of all power, right? Quality resources, and work with them until they are ready to launch alone. So there should be a point of mentoring, supervision, of um, accountability, helping correct mistakes until they're ready to launch alone. But it doesn't end there. It's interesting his last point, point number eight. Oh, it's not his last point, sorry. Uh, Be careful about unintentionally restricting their success. I.e., you've taught them, but it's just easier to do it yourself. For some reason, limiting their abilities. And then number nine, help them repeat the process. Well, that sure sounds like the Great Commission to me. Once they become a disciple, they should also make disciples interesting the similarities between a worldly perspective and jesus method of making disciples so here's another one by uh, david Cottrell, and i just put them all up here on the screen for you so selecting uh these are different a list of principles in mentoring that he suggests in his book monday morning leadership so number one selecting a mentor choosing someone that you respect timeliness That kind of goes along with accountability a bit, but don't waste their time. Um, Accountability. If they give you something to do, then you need to follow through with that, and a mentor also needs to hold the mentee accountable. Active listening. Who knows what active listening is? Alma Marie. Huh? So what I hear you saying is that it's repeating something you said. Okay. Okay. So what I hear you saying is is it reflecting back kind of what they're saying, maybe in some different words, but similar. I think it's trying to
1: establish that you understand what they're thinking about the subject and they're understanding what you're thinking about the subject. In other words, getting rid of the noise because sometimes some people, they want you to do something a certain way or say something a certain way and they don't want to accept it unless you do it the way they want hmm.
0: What I hear you saying is it's making sure that you understand each other and getting rid of the noise. Okay, good. Active listening. So then set objectives of the mentoring process. Um, having a clear purpose. What, what is this purpose for? Now this is the idea of mentoring. Um, but it's very much the same as discipleship we see. Honesty. To have a mentoring process, there has to be clear Honest, you have to stay it as it is. This is how I feel, this is how I see. Uh, encouragement, encouraging um, the person that you're working with. Straight talk. I think straight talk is something my wife excels at. No, I'm just, no, she um, is honest with me. And that honesty is helpful, right, Faith? <laughs> she thinks so, yeah. So being honest with, with each other. Uh, And then number nine, encouraging the mentee to become a mentor themselves. Interesting. We see that same principle repeated over and over again. Wow. So now we're going to look at implementation of discipleship and and, uh, mentoring in a church context. I want to show you a model, a theory that was put together as a visual on how to do mentoring or discipling. Excuse me, discipling. Um, This is something a church put together. It's called the Next Steps Model. To help you help people visually see, there should be some progression. Rachel, could you read that for me? <laughs> Her eyes went like this. <laughs> I think the quality of uh, image I got wasn't sufficient, uh, but the big idea is: uh, see if we can do it here. Aha! There. Accept, and then begin to study God's Word, and then become a disciple. And then they go out, and then they become a disciple maker. And so there's clear steps to that. I think that's the big idea um, with this, yeah. And your picture of my fuzzy picture is going to be extra fuzzy. <laughs> the next steps model. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a process. It's a progress in, uh, in discipling. Now, Bill Hull has written extensively on discipleship. He's written at least four books I'm I'm aware of. Uh, Jesus Christ, the Disciple Maker, uh, the Disciple-Making Church, Disciple-Making Pastor. He's written lots of books on disciple-making. He has a passion that churches engage in disciple-making. Really good books. I think they're very well written. And um, he talks about the distinct phases of of following Jesus And uh, let's look up these Bible texts. Could somebody be willing to look up John 1, verse 38 and 39? Let's see, who gets there first, digital or actual copy? Danny is there. He has an actual copy while he's still turning his pages. (laughs) Okay. Read it for us, Danny. And thirty-nine. Yeah. So they stayed with him that day. They didn't stay with him for three and a half years. From this point, they just came and stayed with him a short period of time. So he said, "Come and see." They came and just observed. So this was a phase of becoming a discipleship of Jesus, disciple of Jesus. They was just coming and seeing. Oh, this is where he stays. And learned a little bit about him there. Mhm. Mhm. And he does to us today too, right? So the next phase is come and follow me. So if someone would be willing to look that up in their either analog or digital Bible, Mark. Amen. So here, um, he gave the call to do more than just come and see, but to come and follow. This was a bigger commitment. This was um, one that would involve them leaving their families and being out on the road with him and um, learning what he had for them. The next phase is come and be with me is how uh, Bill Hull phrases this. Um, So we have a different transition that happened in Jesus' ministry. Uh, We see it uh, where Jesus called them to come up to the mountain, and he ordained them to be his disciples. So so we have a different calling where Jesus, that's in Mark chapter uh, 3, we see this where Jesus calls them up to the mountain. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, he sends them out into the cities, and then later... um, so he's giving them work to do, and then in verse 40 we see where they're failing to be able to cast out a demon. So they're with Jesus, and they're, they're trying to carry out the ministry that he's given them. Uh, he's ordained them to do, he's given them power to do, and they're not having success, and so he's helping them in this process. So uh, Bill has called this the phase come and be with me. And the fourth one is remain in me. So I'm gonna read that in John 15, verse seven to eight. So in this way, a disciple uh, is going to continue to be with Jesus for the rest of their life. It isn't just a one and done. It's, it's how do we continue to abide in him? This is part of following Jesus. So these diff- three different phases that he has of the disciple, uh, and uh, they make sense to me. They seem reasonable. Now he has another list that I'm going to share with you. Lots of lists today. I like lists. Huh? I, it's obvious, huh? Um, of the steps in uh, leading others on the journey of discipleship. So we're going to look at this, this one here. So first you tell them what. So Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount told them about the kingdom of God, right? Now, when I had my construction business, there were, I would hire guys, and first they would need to understand what we're doing. I mean, obviously I'm building a house or whatever it was, but they need to understand the concept. They like to see the blueprints and see the concept of the house so they could get an idea of what they're doing. So I would explain that to them and then their aspect of the job. Usually I would have someone start out one of two things, either they would start cutting for me specifically so that I could see their accuracy in cutting. If they were off a little bit, it was that was the time to teach them. No, you're cutting it too short. No, you're cutting it too long. It's got to be exactly as the length that I've asked you to cut it. And so then they had to learn, okay, when you make a mark, is your mark crooked? Which side of your line are you cutting? It's better to make like a little V or a crow's foot and cut right on the point. So I was able to teach them some of these little finer details so they could learn to cut accurately begin with. So they needed to understand what they were doing and grow from there. And then then I would have them put studs along the the wall. They had to be spaced at the marks and they needed to learn how they went on the mark. They lined up with the center of the mark. And then they had to make sure that the studs were all crowned the same way. Because if you have one this way and one that way, your wall is going to look really crooked. (laughs) Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So then I hadn't looked down the stud. I mean it's got two, two ways to look at it, this way or this way. You know, they look down at it and they're like, which way am I looking? And I have to explain to them, and and then they look at I look at it back and forth until they understand it. So I'm explaining to them what, the what that they're to be doing. And the other important element that I try to talk to them about is the why. Tell them why so they can understand. I was very particular about how I like to build my houses. I wanted them done just a certain way. Now, there's lots of ways to build a house. You know, the old saying, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Well, it's the same with building a house. And uh, I like to build my walls laying down. Almost cost me my life, but (laughs) that's what I like to do, build them laying down, because it's easy to build down there. It doesn't take much time. You can lay the plywood on on the wall and nail it in place, and you can walk on it. It's easy. But once it's up, then you've got to hold the plywood up and then try to hold it and nail it. It's just, and then up on ladders, it's a pain. So build the walls down and stand up. So explain to them all the why. I like to do it this way, and we square the walls, and we fasten it down so it doesn't slide off and we pick it up. They need to understand the why to be effective in what they're doing. And so Jesus not only told them what about his kingdom, but he told them the why as well. And then show them how is an important step. So Jesus didn't just tell them about their call, he worked with them. They saw him speak, they saw him talk in parables, they saw Jesus heal people, they saw Jesus pray. They saw, they saw how he lived his life. And then he'd do it with them. So when Jesus fed the multitude, he gave them, he broke the bread and fish, gave it to he had them set the people down in groups of fifty, and then they would go feed them. Then they collected They did ministry together. And then let them do it. This is the hard one. It's easy to do things a lot of times by yourself, because people make mistakes. And are we comfortable with people making mistakes? No, Edward's not okay with that. Sorry, man. But one of the ways for people like me to learn is I gotta try, and then when I make a mistake, then I learn from it. So my brother is very good with heavy equipment, running, bulldozers, you know, excavators, and whatever, and so... I I hadn't had that much experience when uh, he says, Chris, uh, I'm going to have you run this, and i got to go. So instead of taking the time, I'm still bemoaning the fact that he didn't spend time with me to teach me. He's like, he just left me with it. So I got in this thing, and what do I do? And I'm uh, jerky and moving around. And and, uh, we were putting big rocks on a shoreline. And I I remember that the guys were standing there, and they were looking at me like, Chris doesn't know what he's doing. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, it had a thumb on the excavator. So I reached over and I picked up a log. I was trying to move it. And I went the wrong way. And that log spun and, and shattered the window in the rented excavator right beside me. And the log was right right by my shoulder. <laughs> ah! It just shattered. So I called Scott. <laughs> Scott, I just smashed the window in the excavator. Oh, I knew I shouldn't have left you with that. <laughs> um. Anyway, I made a mistake. But I learned how to run an excavator now, cautiously, so that I don't destroy windows. Let them do it, people have to make mistakes. So to my brother's credit, he lets people try and make mistakes, so that uh, even if costly windows have to get replaced, let them do it, let them make mistakes. The Ministry of Mistakes, yeah, well. um, I I could probably write a book of Ministry of Mistakes. It's amazing I'm still alive. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, what's that, Faith? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Let them do it. Let them make mistakes. So there has to be an appropriate boundary there, though, because people can make too big a mistakes. The more responsibility you have, the more people it affects. When I would have a guy that would just start with me initially, and he would cut a board, um, and he would cut it too short. I couldn't use that board for that thing. I could use it for something else, but not for that. It wasn't that big of a deal. But once someone learned how to lay out walls, then the marks he put on there became what other people would nail in place. The walls would get stood up, and now it's a permanent fix. To change that is a big deal. It can affect so many things. You get a wall in the wrong place, that's a lot of work. Um, foundation. foundation out of place? Yeah, exactly. So... Um, so, there are areas where you want to make sure that you double check and uh, be careful not to give accountability to, I mean, the freedom to make mistakes too big. Uh, number six, deploy them. Once they have engaged and learned and made mistakes, they become proficient, it's time for them to move along. Uh, that's probably the saddest part of parenting children getting old and moving out of the house. <laughs> yeah, sad. That's, yeah, Taylor's graduating this May and moving off to Timbuktu or Timor-Leste or Zambia. She's going one of those places this next year. Okay, so those are the six steps in leading others on a journey of discipleship. Now, if you take these and you put them together, the last one we looked at, the phases of ministry and the steps of ministry, they actually go together quite well. So in the come and see, when Jesus called his disciples, he had these two areas where he told them about his kingdom and why his kingdom was there. This first initial phase, come and see. This is where we engage with Christ's method, where we're mingling with people and we're leading them in this direction. In the book Disciple Maker, he says this, every Christian needs to take time to select a few people and to determine to spend time teaching them the basic fundamentals such as Bible study, prayer, outreach, and various ministry skills. He doesn't say just the head elder needs to do this. He says every Christian needs to take time to do this. It's all our call to do discipleship. And then the next phase, come and follow me, is where you spend more time with them, You show them how to do it. You do it with them, such as at Best Way or Dinner with a Doctor. You're actually doing some ministry together with those that are implementing this. The disciple maker, he has this quote, Jesus' primary method of changing the disciples from fishers of fish to fishers of men was to expose them again and again to ministry opportunities that he initiated and modeled for them. It is a serious mistake to send a boy out to do a man's job. It is just as problematic to send an untrained convert out to do a disciple's task, to do a trained disciple's task. So, um, exposing them again and again to ministry opportunities. So, it seems to me that one of the primary functions of church leadership is to provide opportunities of doing ministry again and again and again. And the next phase come and be with me, let them do it and deploy them so this is where they are leading out maybe they're speaking they're planning a best way event or uh, some program there should be some progress in their life from um, learning about ministry to be being actively engaged in planning it and then um, carrying those out in their own way now I want to share with you a learning theory it's called Kolb's learning theory it's beneficial to see Maybe visually, uh, hopefully the graphics on this one are a little more clear, Uh, visually, uh, the process of learning. So uh, it begins with a concrete experience up there at the top. Doing or having an experience. You you have some concrete experience, and then after you do that experience, you reflect on it. Uh, At least it's wise to. I don't know that all of us do, but it's wise to reflect on it. And then you conceptualize about that. Hmm, that wasn't wise the way I moved that arm and it smashed the window. Wow, I'm such trouble. And then active experimentation. Okay, now I'm going to try to move the arm differently and more slowly so that that doesn't happen again. And then you have another concrete experience which can help adjust things, and then you kind of go on from there. So we do this very rapidly, typically, in our process. So working with a disciple, you should be thinking of the way people learn. Watching their eyes, making sure they understand, um, and even whatever they say, it doesn't always mean that they understand, especially if you're in a multicultural context. When Faith and I were in Zambia in Africa, we had a problem with the culverts going onto the main road there at, the, uh, at, at Riverside. And so we had to put larger culverts in and more of them to handle the flow of water. So uh, it was my primary task to do that. And so I went and tried to find a backhoe. Anyone in the country had... No, there was not a single backhoe in the country. So I hired 30 men with shovels and picks. I had one day to dig out the road and put in new culverts. And so... Um, So I had all the men show up in the morning, they had the picks and shovels, and I had some men that were in charge, my my lead men, and so then I says, okay, let's get started digging, and we had put up barricades so people had to drive around, and we started digging. As they went through the first eight inches or so of gravel on the top, they came to the top of the culverts that were there, and there was some concrete that they had put on top of one of the culverts because the top of it was broken a little bit. And uh, they started to uh, break it, I'm like, wait, stop, don't break this. I'm going to go back to the shop and I'm going to get some chains and we're going to pull that out of the way because we want to reuse that, okay? Okay, sure, Chris, sure, sure, no problem. So I got on my motorcycle and I ran back, got some chains, came back. By the time I got back, they had obliterated, completely destroyed to pieces the concrete. They said, yes, Chris, we understand. We will not destroy it. But that's not what they did. They completely destroyed it. So um, in different cultural contexts, making sure that you understand, they understand you is, is really important. Anyway, learning how people learn. Oh, funny, concrete experience. Okay. So here's this quote from Disciple Maker. What, what does a person need in particular to be ready actually to actually labor in ministry for Jesus? A disciple needs to grow in his or her convictions to undergo supervised training experiences with critique and to be taught certain key ministry skills. Now this is an important factor the critique, the supervision, but also giving counsel on that. It's hard to do. Uh, um, it's easier for some of us. <laughs> Faith, <laughs> giving me a dirty look. Um, to give, to be critical, <laughs> to give critiques. Um, but it's an important element. So I wanted the guys that worked for me to use their brains. And they would often come to me with this situation. And they would say, Chris, There's this problem with the wall. What do we do? Now, if they come to me every time and I always give them the answer, then what are they learning? The solution to my problems is Chris telling me what to do. So I came up with a phrase. I said, well, what would you do if I wasn't here? Well, this is what I would do. Okay, well, if it even wasn't what I would do, I wanted them to be encouraged in their thinking process, and if I needed to tweak a little bit, I'm like, well, if you did that, then what about this? Oh, that's true. Well, maybe I would do this. Okay, well, then I would just say, all right, that sounds good. Go do it, because it might not be what I do, but it's a workable solution, and I want them to be thinkers, not depending on my telling them what to do, right? And so a year later, I had an employee um, interview, each one of their employees, I had an interview with them, and so, okay, you how are things going, Or what are you learning? What would you like to see different? Chris, this is what we'd like. I would really, all of them said this thing independently when I would interview them. They all said, I wish you would tell us more about what we should do. I was asking them, what would you do, because I wanted them to think, and it was good. It was, it was working. But they also needed the feedback. They needed to learn. They wanted to learn additional things. So this, this additional feedback is a critical element that we need to invest in people. And then remain in me. So regular Bible study, prayer, and obedience to God is, uh, are the keys, really, to stay, having that abiding relationship with Jesus. We see that in John chapter 15. If, uh, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you shall ask what you will and be done to you. So his word abiding in us is through Bible study. Asking what we uh, need to ask is prayer. And complete surrender to him. Now this is an interesting quote about remaining in Jesus. The battle for spending meaningful time with God is fought on three fronts, priorities, scheduling, and discipline. Like the alarm clock in the morning, getting up for worship, the discipline to go to bed when (sighs) there's so much to do. Yeah, and scheduling. Scheduling is a big part. If you just simply plan out your day, I'm told, uh, I read it somewhere. I, I'm pretty sure I read it somewhere that Ellen White in the morning would figure out what she's going to do the day and make a little schedule. Um, don't hold me to that, but I, I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. All right, so discussion. Do you? I'm asking you a question. See a clear process for discipleship and mentoring occurring in Adventist churches? Is it clear? Mm-hmm. Like this is how you become a disciple. I've I've come to an Adventist church somewhere. No. let me ask the next question so if discipleship is our major directive from jesus we should clearly know when and how we are doing it so can you explain to someone beside you up here can you explain the clear path for discipleship at south bay it's a clear i mean this is our major objective discipleship is it clear alex can you tell us
1: Come to an afternoon training. Okay, good. I yeah. There is, clear, there is a pathway
2: um, to go into the New Believers uh, Bible study, Sabbath school class, and then to go into the other um, classes from there, and to get involved in some of the outreach ministries, and to start being involved in ministry. And we have very clear training in our health ministries for people who want to get involved in ministries. And so I think that there is definitely a pathway. hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you spent time the Dr. Grievous made a big impact in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. It's obvious. Um anyone else? No. no there were some rough spots any oh. that's, right. <laughs> that's That's rental. Okay. Well you had an assignment last, okay, Laura, sorry, go ahead. Um, I've seen some occurring with the it is written Bible
1: study process that we go through. We have gone through a series of those Bible studies as well as some more in-depth Bible studies. Some of those members have then become baptized, and they are eager and anxious to go out and do the same work that was done with them, Mhm. Right?
0: glad you mentioned that, and you, you weren't uh, meaning to say what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it, is that you've done an excellent job discipling and, and discipling and working with the people that you're working with. I've clearly seen it. And the desire for them to go out and do ministry. I know, but it's Jesus' method, you know? You've spent time with them, you've ministered to them. It's clear in their life what God is doing in Betty King's life. I mean, it's just amazing, and how she's giving studies to others and involved, so. And we thank you for your investment of time as a mom, and leading out in all that you do, uh, with your school, etc. You do a lot. So um anyway thank you for that. Moms do a lot of discipleship well, discipleship So the junior class is teaching the kindergarten class once a month, I think it is, which is so neat. So they are, uh, have been taught, and now they are doing that once a month, they're teaching, so I think it's great, yes. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. very ages and groups and you know, I don't feel like this is a very you know, I don't think this is a very isolated groups, you know, I we tend to do a lot of things together, which I think is very in some ways unique and um you know what, what I would perceive the spirit of proxy would have to reach very mm-hmm. people. Um mm-hmm.
0: There's a and big outreach so emphasis. Like mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. hmm And with
2: our depression recovery program, the Lord has really blessed us because some of the alumni that came through our program initially were suffering from depression or whatever. And um recovered and then
0: have gone through online training and are now facilitators in the program. That's great. I love it. They came in taking the program, then they got trained, and now they're helping be facilitators. It's beautiful. Um, This is an area it seems like we can strengthen. Um, So you guys had an assignment last week. (laughs) Eric asked, did you do your assignment? I'm like, oh, no, I didn't do my assignment. Anyway, did anyone have an opportunity to mentor or disciple someone this last week in some way, to invest in their life a little bit? I know you did. Everyone had opportunity to some something at least. Yes, Mr. The caretaker, uh Brenda, she she
1: she's got MS, she can't move. Okay. trying to we're trying to she's not this lady is not Adventist. so we're trying to be winsome with her mm-hmm. and, uh, and and kind of measure it and try to
0: show her a little bit of Christ hopefully. Mm-hmm. Well that's uh, excellent. Thank you for doing that. That's good. Elma Marie I am just um, with a couple of uh, Derek and my children. Uh, last week I
2: was out at Loma Linda with our son who's at medical school and um,
0: just some like a Joshua
2: One of the primary
0: ways to mentor is your children. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this yeah. week, uh, our daughter, we were, you know, really just mentoring her through some relationship things and Amen. So anyway. That's why God put you there. Or great grandchildren. You mm-hmm. know, then you should great grandchildren though. It's beautiful. Uh, and, and I found that mm-hmm. so amazing. Natalia's doing great with Brendley. Good job. Man.
2: It was completely from the Lord because some of that was impromptu and hmm. I just did not know where that was coming from. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we there are little things that make impacts. You know, I really think that studying the word of God deeply and just really
0: um this was to co-workers that were trapped. They were captivated hmm. and we were all traveling together. Oh, well, there you they go. It's go <laughs> <laughs> good. It's good. Yes, Renal. Okay. The sure. good. Of good. Encouraging to go beyond. Excellent. It's good. Amen. That's what we need. Well, I, I'm convinced that uh discipleship is something that God wants us to do to make disciples and um, yeah. I'd like to see us do more of that. Uh, I'd like to leave this last quote with you and after I share this quote with you, uh, I too have a form that's there if you could fill it out for me so I could turn that into Dr. Tryon. Um, You wanted to make sure that I talked about discipleship here at South Bay. So uh, please fill that form out for me if you would and uh, yeah, just leave it there somewhere and I'll get that. Um, This last quote. The only thing worse than investing in your people and losing them is not investing in them and keeping them. It's kind of from a business perspective. People are worried about training their employees because once they're trained, then they leave. But if they train them and they stay, that's worse. Or they don't train them and they stay, that's worse. So it's, it, uh, this investing in people is what Jesus wants us to do. Go and make disciples. Oh, sorry, I can go back. There you go. Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar? I don't know. it has got a fun name. Okay, well, let's let's pray together and ask God to direct and guide us through his work. Father in heaven, we are grateful to be your children. Thank you that you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, you have given us a calling to make disciples. Lord, help us to be relentless in our pursuit of carrying out the task that you have given us. May we not only make disciples, but Lord, may the disciples we make make disciples, who make disciples, and take this gospel to the uttermost part of the earth. May we communicate that effectively, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.